everyone. Got a real a treat today on the podcast with um, someone I'd describe as an SAP legend, uh, Steve Hunt. He's one of our, our top experts around HR tech, future of work, so much more. I, I love talking to Steve because he always opens my mind. He gets me thinking to, uh, about things. And, you know, that, that's what I'm hoping to accomplish uh, today as well. So thanks for joining the podcast and sharing all your knowledge today, Steve. Welcome. Thank you, Imran. It's great to be here. It's funny when you talked about being a legend, actually, back prior when I was part of Success Factors before coming to SAP, that was actually like one of our highest performance ratings. I was actually rated as legendary. <laughs> I can't say I've ever heard that one before. I mean, that one, you know, belongs on there, like your LinkedIn. Uh, I, did. I, I, showed, I, guess, but... I showed it to my my teenage boys at the time. They were they didn't believe it. I said, there's a higher <laughs> level. There's a higher level called mythical, but no one's ever seen it. What's above that unicorn or something, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. But <laughs> that's funny. All right, Steve. Well, let, let's talk through a couple of things. So I saw an article you wrote on LinkedIn. I'm always following your stuff and, you know, reading the things just as much as um, I, I can. And you talked about skills management and this whole revolution, right? And I've seen you in general talk about, you know, jobs, job design. And so, you know, in this podcast, I'm known for focusing on core HR, time and payroll, but I'm having a lot more conversations with people, and it's really become important to consider core HR in the conversations around jobs and, and skills, right? Whereas, you know, you and I have had this conversation where people tend to think of core HR technology and talent management te technology as two different things, right? One being more strategic workforce management, the other being around, you know, compliance and just managing your, your people, but let's talk about how important core HR is to something like job design. And I, I know we can get uh, more into that, but uh, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, you know, I think, Imran, one of the things and you know, I've chatted, and I always like the fact that the way you're able to talk about sort of people often think of administrative HR systems, but how they have a much bigger impact than just like operational efficiency. And, you know, my, my career... Um, you know, I'm a micro, I'm an industrial organizational psychologist who's basically studied how to use technology to create more effective work environments. And I feel like I have to mention it. I just wrote a book called Talent Tectonics that really dives yep, into this topic. Sure. And we'll dive about some of the stuff that I'm going to talk about today. But when you look at what impacts employee experience, we tend to think of all of the traditional employee engagement, performance management, talent management solutions. But the platform that those things live on is a core HR system and how core HR systems are designed has a massive impact on what you can do when it comes to rethinking employee experience. The biggest thing that impacts employee experience is the job itself, mm -hmm. how jobs are designed, how people are managed and how much money companies invest in people. These things have a massive impact on employee experience, but they're heavily influenced by the design of core HR, how companies actually pay people, yeah. allocate workforce budget, you know, design the organization in terms of where people are located, when they work, all of these things, what they work on, all of that is run through a core HR system. Mm. And historically, core HR systems have been very limited in what they're able to support. You know, they've been very much focused on efficiency and compliance as opposed to flexibility and agility. And that's the good news is it's starting to change. However, I think I'd like to see a lot more change because these limitations in core HR systems are really hindering our ability to create agile organizations. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I could see that too. Right. Even when I just look at it, I mean, you know, uh, I started my career with on-premise technology as uh, a lot of other people did. And that was really, really administrative, right? It really was an HR person sitting there. And then there's kind of been an evolution over time, right? You move to self-service and now we're having even more conversations around, you know, AI and things like that. But you, you make a good point that, you know, your core HR foundation is, is very, very important. And you can't do some of these things with an outdated uh, core HR system and a very heavy HR operations, too, right? Yeah. And it really starts, actually, I think, probably moving to the cloud. Why moving to the cloud is so important uh, for core mm-hmm. HR is people that haven't moved it, they don't realize how much they are constrained. HR departments are constrained in what they can do with employee experience. And not just HR departments, the way the company actually manages its whole workforce by being stuck in an on-prem system. The analogy, Imran, you and I always talk in analogies. The analogy Mm -hmm. I would put to this is, it's kind of the difference, you know, when we think about mobile phones and apps and all these technologies, there's this thing called Bluetooth technology. I don't know if you're, yeah. you probably you know about, right? Yeah. A lot of people don't realize what that is, but it was a massive change when they first started building mobile phones and Internet of Things, which is this thing called Bluetooth technology that enables all these different apps and devices to talk to each other. Yep. If you're in on-prem, it's like you don't have access to that HR equivalent of Bluetooth technology. You're, mm-hmm. yeah, you can build APIs and connections, but they're all very manual, they're all very hard, and it really limits the flexibility and adaptability of what it, of what companies can do. And as work is changing and workforces are changing, we really need to push the envelope on rethinking things like job design, workforce management, and how we kind of decide how we're going to invest in the workforce. But the ability to do that requires having core HR systems that are much more integrated and flexible than what they have in the past. And I I know we're going to talk about a couple examples of that, but I think that's where we're seeing a lot of innovation. I want to say that, you know, SAP is doing a lot of really cool stuff, but we need so much more. Yeah, yeah. And one vendor can't do it all. I mean, you talk about Bluetooth. Yeah, I mean, uh, my headphones right now are Bluetooth, so it's a key part of the communication you and I are having right now. And, you know, it's ingrained in so much we do. And I think the equivalent of that, I guess, with cloud technology is uh, APIs, right? And the ability to communicate externally, right? For me, I actually started my career and the first thing I ever did, my first SAP project was to build a uh, write ABAP code. And actually the funny thing is I still remember this, it was an interface file. So, I, you know, I literally spent probably two months and I was working with a more senior developer sitting there and I was writing code. And the whole point of the code was for me to go and write this code, pull data out, you know, into uh, internal tables and ABAP and then take that, build it out and then get a flat file out that I could then, you know, send to a uh, SFTP, right? A kind of a temporary holding place for this. And then that was being used by uh, someone else who needed access to this data, right? And same same thing you do in, in many places when you have to send data from point A to point B, right? And so now with the cloud, it becomes a lot more agile where, you know, you can use an API and just pull the data you need. And we're going from months of development to, uh, you know, let's just access this API and do something there. Yeah, the APIs and also a lot of our pre-configured solutions. I mean, I say started out as computer program on C++ way back mm. when. And I mean, back then you had to build everything by yourself. Um, yeah. And I wasn't yeah, very yeah. good at it, which is why I became a psychologist. But, uh, <laughs> the, um, 
but the um the point I think you talk about, like I, like one of one of the solutions that I'm the most excited about in terms of really transforming employee experience and how organizations manage that SAP has is the business technology platform. Mm-hmm. People yeah. think, oh, BTP, you know, the, and and it's because people don't realize what that enables. That enables companies to one rapidly build new tools to support employees in ways that would take forever on old systems and it also is enabling us to link hr and non-hr systems together in a way that much more tightly integrates the business so like i'll i'll give a couple examples on um the first one one of our customers who has a field workforce big retail company and they went out and they asked they asked the employees in the field they said you know, well, what do you actually want to know? If you had something on a mobile device, what is it you'd want to know? And they were like very, very tactical. They said, I want to know when I work. I want to know who I'm working with. I want to know how I can change that schedule if I want to. And I'd kind of like to know how much I've gotten paid. And they're like, those are the things I want. And so they were able to build this very custom app for these people that are running around all this stuff very quickly using BTP, tying data from different systems and doing this and really improving the employee experience by providing what the employees wanted really, really quickly in a simple tool. That's an example of an advantage of having your core HR system tied into this larger sort of interoperable platform. Um, you know, so I, I think that's that sort of ability to do things quickly is really enabled by moving into the cloud. Um, and then, then there's even more powerful ones like when you start looking at the ability to tie together your core HR system, like this is this is a story from a few years ago, but I really I love this because it really kind of illustrates the benefit of having all these different systems together. This was another retail organization, and I was at a conference actually where a colleague of mine was on a panel with his VP of HR for this customer, and said the colleagues you know shared, hey I was in your store like in Philadelphia or something like that. We were, we were in Las Vegas and he goes, I was in your store and yeah. I had this great experience. And the, uh, the head of HR goes, Oh, what was the name of the person that helped yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, you know, the guy's like, um, I don't know, some guy working in your Philadelphia store. <laughs> and so the, uh, so the, the guy pulls out his phone and uh-huh. he goes and he clicks into their org chart into that store. That's and this is yeah. retail where things turn over, mm-hmm. you know, people turn over quickly, but because the data was tied to their payroll system, he yep. knew it was accurate. You know, it was up to date sure. and cause that data has to be up to date. But then he could go in and he actually found the picture of the employee and he showed it to my friend. Yeah. Mm -hmm. On the phone and said, and he goes, yeah, that was the guy. And then he sent him because that system was then connected payroll connected to the employee profile, which was also connected to the employee recognition system. He sent a note to that employee on the moment. And Mm -hmm. if you think about that does for the employee experience, it's like, wow, I'm in this huge organization, but I just got a note from like somebody 18 levels above me in another yeah. city and it's makes a very big organization feel like a very small organization but if you look at what made that really really work wasn't just the talent management system it was the fact that the talent management system was linked very tightly to the core hr system yeah yeah that makes sense and the funny thing is like I, you didn't they didn't even know the name of the employee right to be able nope. to go 
pinpoint it at that level picture oh yeah that was the guy that was definitely you know like it's pretty cool it's a cool story for sure and yeah i uh i love hearing examples like that too and then you know even another one that i I actually saw is um one that's a a sap article it's uh, one of our customers eurobank so this is on sap.com right so they had some really intense greece uh, regulations right where you have to send all of the this data to the government right and so they were able to very quickly put together a BTP application, you know, take this out and send it. And so to me, that was another one where it really enabled uh, agility because they were using Employee Central and also our time tracking where they had this time data, but then, you know, they, they needed to take it, send it out and comply with this legislation. You know, what you don't want to do, because I've been there, done that, is be on the other side of this where you get some regulation and it's gonna just cause you a technological nightmare in order to uh, get that working, right? Now you're up against uh, a tight deadline that could have huge ramifications from a cost standpoint. And you know you don't you don't want to be in non-compliance with government entities. I'll tell you that, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think that so so, so there's a lot of things that sort of we were talking about these examples of like agility. Like another one of our customers, you know, used BTP to link their scheduling system to the learning system because this is a distribution company and they they can't they they legally can't operate if they don't have people with certain safety qualifications on site. And so they use their linking together their learning system and their scheduling system so that they made sure that they always had at least two people with these qualifications on site in case one of them got sick or could, didn't show up. You know, and it just enables much more efficient workforce operations. And I'm actually going to be presenting at our digital supply chain conference in in March. And the whole topic I'm going to be talking about is the most volatile part of a supply chain operation is the people. Yep. You know, they can be really effective or they can not even show up at all. And that can all happen in 24 hours, often based (laughs) on how they're treated. So, Uh you know, the more we're tying these solutions together and looking at ways that we take the core HR system and use that as a way to link to other systems, other operation systems, whether not just HR systems, but, you know, your scheduling systems and your uh, supply chain demand forecasting systems. Uh, There's just a lot of really cool examples of where I'm seeing this happen. Um, Mm -hmm. Just in the sake of kind of another like great story, one of our other customers was a bakery and they would forecast, you know, how many employees they needed depend on how much they needed to bake and how much they needed to bake depended on a lot of customer variables. And so they actually used machine learning to predict how many muffins do we need to create on a Sunday? How many employees do we need? You know, which both was more effective use of labor, but also was more effective you know you had less food waste and stuff like that so but these things are really about finding ways to get all this stuff into the cloud and interconnected um Mm -hmm. there are a couple like specific examples though and i want to look at there's there's three specific areas though where i really if i could if i if i could like dream of where like you know hr technology Mm -hmm. focused on that i think we're starting to look at, but really could be very, very powerful sources of rethinking sort of core HR design. Mm -hmm. Um, And they are job design, workforce management, and the measuring the true value of employees. So I don't know Mm -hmm. if you want me to dive into each of those, but I can, or which one do you want me to start with? Let's start with job design. Um. Yeah. So job design, 
I, I you know, I, we, we both work with a lot of companies, particularly companies that have frontline roles are literally struggling just to fill their schedules. Yeah. And people are always talking about how can we recruit and retain? The biggest factor that impacts recruitment and retention is job design. Specifically, mm-hmm. okay. sure. what not just what people have to do, but even more so, when do they have to do it? Where do they have to do it? And how are they mm-hmm. paid for doing it? You know, anyone yep. who tells you that money doesn't influence motivation has never tried not paying their employees. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and so if you look at this, this ability to one the sort of hybrid remote work models, having methods where people can work in different locations, and there's all sorts of compliance, and there's different regulations, and the ability to employ people. So, for example, one of our customers. <clears throat> They're located in a small town and they pretty much said we'd hired everyone we could possibly hire in this small town. (laughs) So we went back and we really looked at our jobs and we found a way to sort of carve out tasks from different jobs so that we could create remote jobs Mm. so that we could source from other parts of the country. And they said this was really critical for us. But also we had to be able to support the employment regulations in other parts of the country. So. Yeah. Really having technology that frees people up to be much more creative in how they design jobs so that they can take more advantage of things like hybrid and remote work. Mm-hmm. But also how you pay people. The um, One of the technologies, the Sales Performance Management or SPM, you yep. know, SAP gives such meaningful names to our products. <laughs> <laughs> but if you look at this, the the one of the big issues in a lot of frontline service work is everyone pay is paid exactly the same and it's all based on hourly rates as though that they all provided the exact same value organization now any person who's ever encountered service employees know that some service employees are more effective than others right yep. we've we've all had that experience but in a and and by the way tipping is a terrible way to um reward service there's just all kinds of problems with it. Sure. Yeah. You know, don't leave that subjectivity up to like the customers. And mm-hmm. it can actually be very exploitive, actually. Mm-hmm. But the um, so it's like, well, how can we find a way to recognize the value that employees are providing? Well, we have customers that are really looking at ways that they can measure employee service and performance. And so they can move away from these flat one rate. Everyone's paid the same amount regardless of what they do. It's like if you show up and spend eight hours here, we'll assume that you all provide the same level of service. We don't really reward the person who shows up and really gets stuff done as the person who just shows up and spends all the time on their phone, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And so looking at tools like sales performance management, tying that into how we pay people and really getting much more um complicated but equitable and rewarding pay structures you can't mm-hmm. do that if you don't have technology that can support a much complicated much more complicated set of pay yeah. yeah and this this is another example where i think we look at this and how can and this is a big actually societal issue if i just get into it that we historically have undervalued service jobs but if you look at what's te- what digitalization is doing is it's a limit it's eliminating a lot of the jobs where we hired people to act like machines, show up and lift things or move things over and over again. We're now hiring people to be more increasingly in service, providing customer service and caring and all that. 
Well, we don't reward those jobs historically. We don't really reward service providers. We pay them as though they're all the same. And I think really looking at technology to be able to truly value people that do those jobs. And that's where we need much more sophisticated payroll systems and pay processes to support much better use of compensation. Um, and the third one on job design is that the other big thing that impacts job design is schedules. Mm, uh, you yep, know, yep. over 50% of employees regularly accept working conditions that the other 50% of employees would never accept. For example, if your manager told you, Imran, I'm going to tell you exactly when you can take lunch every day. Right. Yep. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. you know the schedule. There, yeah. Right. And so employees and people accept that as part of the jobs, but really trying to find a way to give employees more control over their schedule and their time so that, you know, they can say, hey, I want to take a couple hours off on Wednesday, but I'll work a couple more hours on Saturday. This is yeah, really yeah. complicated on a traditional core HR system that couldn't handle that complexity of scheduling. But new modern technology systems are giving employees much more control over their time, which makes the job itself much more desirable. Because the way I put it is, you know, giving somebody control over their time is literally giving them control over their life. Sure. It makes a big difference. I mean, yeah, I can speak to that personally. I think we all kind of can. Right. I mean, you know, for me, I don't work, you know, eight hours all the time just sitting there and doing it. Right. I get out and do something. And sometimes I want to go to the gym and sometimes I want to do something else. And and then, you know, I might come back at night and work. And, you know, in some cases, that's been the time when I've gotten more done than what I was able to do it done probably in four hours earlier in the day when I had a lot more distraction and things going on. So, you know, that can also lead to productivity too if you really think about it yeah and i think and we have you know people can always throw barriers about what won't work but i think that we the more that we create more flexible core hr technology that enables us to allow people to work differently in terms of where they work it allows people to be paid differently in terms of like recognition at a more finer grained level for the contributions they make and it allows people to have more control over their own life in terms of their time. That's what technology can really help with. And then that that that's what's really going to have the biggest impact on recruitment for a lot of these jobs that are hard to fill. It's that people don't want these jobs because the basic design of the job is just not appealing. Um, I'll yep. close with just one of my favorite quotes from one of our customers was asking employees about who had you know their parents. They said, you know, uh, hey, if if we provided you more childcare benefits, could you work our work schedules? And the answer was, how about providing us work schedules so we can care for our children? I just <laughs> share that one quote, because to me, it just captures this whole way that we need to rethink job design and to rethink job design that has a big impact on you. What your core HR system does, how it handles these things has a huge impact on what we can do when it comes to rethinking job design. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. I mean, I think they make a, a good point. And, you know, like, I think the companies that do this really well will certainly have a competitive advantage in terms of getting, you know, people that actually care, people that are contributing and, and so much more, too. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, all right. Well, let's switch gears a little bit. I want to cover one more topic, at least. Uh, I know, um, you know, in the news, I, I keep hearing about, uh, you know, reskilling people right on the company side. We're seeing, you know, restructuring and changes. And, you know, there is absolutely also a need for people to learn new things. Right. People aren't static. They evolve. They um, need to have new skills and continued learning. And, and part of that, you know, if I look at this from a company standpoint, right, we, we've had a, a part of this conversation. But 
uh, foundation of that is also to already know what your people are skilled at, right? And so the reality is people have potential, right? And in a lot of cases, their skills go beyond what their current job is, even beyond what their job design is, right? And so in my past, I've talked a little bit about it, but I have experience implementing SAP software. But in my current job, that's not really what I do in day-to-day, uh, -day, right? I'm more on the product side, the product marketing side. I do help with some sales. Isn't it also valuable to know not only what people are doing now and good at in their current job and their current job design, but also what their other strengths are that they bring build to the table, right? I think you probably talked somewhat about this with the, the whole skills management thing. How do, how do you see that? As yeah, and actually this is interesting. It's like one of the big discussions actually in the book Talent Tectonics, I was talking about why we need better HR technology is to enable large companies to act like small ones. Companies mm -hmm. need to be more agile because the world's changing faster. And if you look how small companies operate, they're highly agile because they don't lock people into job titles. It's like, yeah. Yeah, you know, small I, roles. Yeah, I remember when when I was working for one startup and the president, quote, president of the company yelled out, I need somebody to help me fix this computer. And the quote head of sales goes, oh, I'll help you. You yeah, know, right. it wasn't their formal role. It was just like, you know, the just the ability to people know how to do stuff and I'll do it and I'll help you out. And also you learn a lot more because you kind of get thrown into roles where you have to figure stuff out. And that's how you build new skills. And as companies get larger and larger, because of operational efficiencies and cost control, they start slotting people into you're in this job and you're supposed to have these qualifications to do these things and we're going to pay you this amount and it's going to come from this cost center. And that's kind of as companies get bigger and bigger, they become very sort of rigid and bureaucratic, not because they want to per se, but because, you know, suddenly the workforce costs are massive. And yep. Yep. how do you manage that and how do you maintain that? So... <clears throat> What's happening is with skills management, there's there's two things that are happening. One is the pace of skills are changing faster and faster and faster because of digitalization. Companies are increasingly saying we have to get better at finding people's skills, developing skills and moving them around because we're just not having people to fill roles combined with the labor shortage that we're having because of demographic shows. Mm -hmm. so, so companies are struggling with this and so there's been a lot of really interesting investment in what are called skills management solutions, particularly something called skills ontologies that in put a post to LinkedIn when I talk about what these things are and I have a little video that explains it. But basically tools that really allow you to know employees at a much more detailed level beyond just job descriptions. As a matter of fact, sometimes it learns things about employees they didn't even know about themselves. It's like, you know, if you know how to do this, you probably could do that kind of thing. <laughs> and um so we're getting better and better and better data about understanding the capabilities of employees. But the ability to use these tools to create what are sometimes called skills-based organizations, where basically an organization that runs more like a small company, where it's like we don't tell people what to do based on their job title. We match people with what to do based on what the company needs, what they're able to do, what they want to do. And it becomes sort of people moving around a lot and people like you know splitting their time across different tasks and dynamic mm -hmm. teams and all this stuff much more you know, agile organization. Well, that's what everyone wants. But the problem is that in your large organization, you need, they're designed to say, well, you need a certain level of efficiency. So you kind of like, how do we, how do we keep cost efficiency, but still go to more agility and adaptability? And when I talk to companies, particularly ones that 
aren't where our companies where they literally do <laughs> it's a bad to the point would Imran, but they literally <laughs> do things, right? They make things or they provide sure, services. Yeah, yeah. And if an employee yeah. doesn't show up at a certain time, things don't happen. You know, technology of companies, course. you know, as, as much as it's hard for me to admit, you know, if I didn't show up at SAP for a week, the company would not grind to a halt. Don't uh, tell anyone yeah. that, me, right? Me neither. Me too. Yeah. Uh, but my wife, for example, she's a family medicine doctor. If she does not show up in the clinic, patients do not get seen. And you can't just yeah. like, oh, get yeah. that other person to do it. You know, the yeah. skills people have have very big impacts on the roles that they perform that have a big impact on customers, profitability, and those other things. And so companies that are trying to manage, that are managing that sort of a workforce, I remember talking to one about these new skills management solutions that allow people to get gig work and move around and chase their skills. And actually several customers have told me, they said, we'd never turn that on. That would create absolute chaos in our company. <laughs> you know. And because people are here to do something and we pay them to do certain tasks based on specific skills and that's how the company runs. So kind of looking at, well, how do we need to solve this? What's going to enable these companies to become more agile? We need better core HR systems that allow you to move employees across different cost centers. So, for example, if an employee says, "Okay, I'm working on this job, but I want to go spend like 20% of my time on some other function that will allow me to build a new skill. A manager's like, well, I'll share my talent, but if I'm going to share my talent, I got to share the budget too. Right. Or the right? cost. Uh, yeah. The it. cost. And, and having much more better tools that allow companies to split cost allocation of employees across different cost centers. And even if you go even farther, also changing salaries. Um, you know, mm-hmm. consulting companies sometimes do this in themselves. That, that if you use, if you look at the like the biggest skills based organizations in the industry in the United States, at least it's healthcare. Now it's mm-hmm. a, they're not necessarily it's an administrative nightmare of how they manage skills, but it's really important. Sure. But what people are paid for changes based on their skills, and to some degree, how much you're paid may change based on which skill you're using. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, 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 that's true. And so. And sometimes the things that are the most valuable skills are not necessarily the things employees want to do. Going back to your configuration system, <laughs> you yep, might be yeah. more valuable for SAP going back to configurations. That doesn't mean you want to do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so having core HR systems that enable companies to share cost centers if an employee moves to a different role in the org chart their cost center moves with them or part of their cost center or fragments of their cost center or similarly ability to say if employees working on certain goals or activities might be paid differently based Mm -hmm. on the value of the skill or criticality getting much more sophisticated with this i think that is what is critical if we want to create more dynamic skills-based organizations and to some degree we have to I don't think this is a question of will we move this way. I think we will because if you look at the broader macro trends of digitalization, changing skill requirements and demographics, creating labor shortages, we've got to get much more efficient at using people. But the big barrier to it actually is interesting. It's not the skills management solutions. I think they're where they need to be to do this right now, to know which employees could do it, to be able to move them around and match them. It's the core HR systems that don't allow the financial side of workforce management to handle that kind of an agile workforce. Yeah, it's an interesting point, right? And, you know, I I think we've had a a pretty interesting conversation to kind of understand, like, it it is clear that, you know, we as success factors are talking a lot about 
talent intelligence hub, making the most use, understanding people's skills. But then, you know, you talked about also their desire. What what do you want to do? You might be an amazing developer, but you if, if developer uh, being a developer and sitting there and coding makes you uh, sick when you just think about doing that, then. Okay, then uh, you know us making you do that, you'll probably be out the door uh, in, shortly when you secure another job, right? So you have to kind of match people's ambitions with uh, with their skills, right? And so you're right. I think there's a lot of um, things that are already there, but if I take away nothing else from this conversation, uh, and you know I've certainly enjoyed it very much, is that you have to have a strong foundation from a core HR uh, system in order to get the most out of all these really cool and innovative things that are going on in the talent uh, world, not just with SAP, but you know, even other partners or other things that people are building, right? All the AI stuff that's going on and you know, automation, you know, I think to really take advantage of that, you do have to have a strong core if I take nothing else away. Yeah, like a strong core and a flexible core. And I and you know, it's like too, you know, that part of my job is looking kind of where we're going. So I want to be also clear that SAP, we are the farthest along of any provider mm-hmm. in this area. Um, if you look at what we're doing with business technology platform with Talent Intelligence Hub, um, this is a heavy focus on it. The challenge is we need to go farther. We need to go yeah. farther, mm-hmm. and a lot, I think a lot of people are looking at innovations in like these skills ontologies and these solutions and saying that's not going to solve this problem. Sure. What sure. We, it, it's part of it, but the other thing is we have to change this financial side of how companies allocate workforces, measure them, pay them, mm-hmm. and be much more agile in, in that than we have been in the past, and that's where I think – um, it's a it's a way of approaching innovation in core HR systems that I don't think we've thought about in the past. I don't think people have thought about how does this system impact our ability to rapidly move people around in the organization in different roles between different things and maybe with different pay levels over time. That's not yeah, the way we historically thought. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. And yeah, agreed. I mean, uh, you know, like there's a whole different way of of looking at things and. You know, when I myself kind of look at my experiences and understand things and uh, put them together, you know, what, what you talked about uh, it makes a, a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense. So, um, yeah, for sure. All right. Well, uh, you know, th- I, thanks for uh, joining me today, Steve. I really enjoyed the conversation. I mean, I think you touched on a lot of great topics and, um, you know, I'll, I'll share a couple of your articles, too, along with the podcast. But, you know, appreciate all your insights. I know we could probably get into so much more on this topic. Right. We could probably dig into, you know, how how this all comes together, you know, best of breed versus, you know, having this all integrated and, you know, how partner ecosystems are coming into play. And, you know, like you and I have had these conversations, but I, I think that's a uh, probably enough for today and we can look at maybe doing something else because we could talk for another hour i'm sure easily yeah, absolutely well Ian, Ron, thank you for the chance i love the work that you've been doing to push this forward and i guess the last thing i'd say is like please move to the cloud i'm not <laughs> there already just please <laughs> good just a good takeaway i think all right steve have a good rest of your day i'll talk to you later bye thank you <laughs>